You're listening to Spring Forward, a series of podcasts from Ada and Worthing Councils. I'm Neil Pringle, and I'm exploring the local landscape with the help of some of the people who look after it. This podcast series takes you into the great outdoors, and you'll be able to imagine the salt on your skin, picture the buds blossoming, and take a trip back in time. Today, we're bringing you some tales from the riverbank. Do you ever play echo games under this? Absolutely, Of yeah. course. Oh! Joining me, Peter King from the Ooze and Ada Rivers Trust. You can see them pecking away at the mud. Uh, Those poor uh, invertebrates yeah, so that you really. love so much. <laughs> they're, they're someone's breakfast. But that's why we need to keep lots of them. And hearing about plans to rewild a whole section of the riverbank. Really excited about seeing the bird life return. Ecologists of all kinds are really excited to work with us to make this happen. Let's head to the river. Hello and welcome to Shoreham. And I'm standing by the old Shoreham toll bridge on the airport side of the River Ada. And so technically, of course, I am in Lansing, but uh, let, let's not split hairs so early in the podcast. And of course, until 1960s, I would now be standing in the middle of the A27, uh, which used to cross the Ada over this, this wooden bridge here, which when you look at it seems it's kind of hard to believe, but um, you can probably hear the traffic in the distance. Uh, that's on the flyover, uh, which of course replaced it. But we're not here to talk about roads. Uh, we're here to talk about the river and the mouth uh, of the Ada at Shoreham, just about a mile downstream from here. And upstream, uh, the river splits at Henfield. One, one leg goes left, one goes right. That sort of stuff goes up for about 20 miles. Today, we're going to hear about the wildlife that relies on this river and what we're doing to try and help that wildlife thrive. And my guide today is Peter King, who's director of the Ooze and Ada Rivers Trust. Pete, hello. Hello. Hello, and th thank you for meeting me here. And I know we call these Spring Forward podcasts, but we have to say that this is the least spring-like day ever, isn't it? it it's certainly quite cold and, uh, and blowy today, yeah. It doesn't snow often down here, but uh, you probably remember sometime back we did have some snow. <laughs> and this is the morning that we woke up to a bit of snow, so it, it looks a little bit bleak. But we are going for a walk down the river and I admit something. First of all, I do take this for granted. I love it because it's a great place to come and walk and visit. But I suppose a lot of people almost don't consider the importance of the river that is right next to us. Absolutely. I don't think you're alone in taking it for granted. It's certainly uh, uh, it, it's something that um, that the people don't really realise the importance of as, it, as it's flowing out to sea. So I think it's, um, you know, the wildlife and the benefits that estuaries give us are really, really important. So uh, we see quite a lot of dog walkers around, but, uh, but other than that, I think, I think people do overlook the importance of estuaries. Well, we're going to go upstream, uh, just beyond the A27 bridge, to find out how that habitat may well increase in the future. The, the path which runs beside the Ricardo factory here is a little bit damp, uh, which is what you can hear is slush. It's turned to slush already, this snow. It's, it's, so it's a sort of, sort of an icy brownie sort of colour.
this is that great bit where you go underneath the A27. It all gets very echoey. Yeah. Do you ever play echo games under this? Absolutely. Of yeah. course. Let's let's see. Oh, it's kind of kind of immature, but <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Right. Okay. Uh, Pete, you better explain where we're coming to and why this is this is a significant sort of area then. Okay, so we're just coming out from under the A27 road bridge and uh, on our left is, is Pad Farm, uh, which has recently been acquired by Adrian Worthing Council. Um, we're walking along the embankment and the embankment is there to stop the uh, water actually inundating into the, the land beyond which it. Which was a, a sort of an arable farm, was so it? So this was an arable farm, you can still see the kind of remnants of crops in there. One of our plans is to see whether we can do something with the embankment to remove it or realign it um, and actually allow the, the estuary water to go into the land here to create more salt marsh habitat. Oh right, so oh gosh well that's going to make a huge difference here because uh, I mean this is quite a big space isn't it? It's quite a large area and there's only sort of 20 hectares of salt marsh in the estuary here and this is um, this is not far off kind of doubling the extent that we might get. It, it's not as easy as it, as it sounds. There is quite a lot of consideration around land levels and, and making it work, but salt marsh is really beneficial for lots of reasons, especially in this world of climate change. It's a really, really good store of carbon. It actually stores more carbon than tropical rainforests. No uh, way. Absolutely, really? yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's also really good at, uh, at, at dissipating wave motion, so it's quite good for coastal erosion down right down in the in the front of the of the estuary. So it's a, it's a really valuable habitat, plus the kind of bird life that it attracts and the biodiversity that it will bring. And as we know, sea levels will rise, and and you know having place for water to get out to is a really important strategy for the future. Salt marsh takes a, an awful long time to establish, so it's not a it's not a quick win in terms of environment, but the benefits it brings are huge. It would probably be uh, kind of decades before it actually established into salt marsh. And this is one of the, the problems of the habitat is that as it gets degraded and, and kind of pushed by development and, uh, and, and, and the changing climate, that actually it, to re-establish it takes a long time. It's not like planting trees, which are an instant kind of success. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's, let's walk on a bit. Now, you say, um, you know, it's, it's terribly important, this habitat. So why, <laughs> why, what, what, what will this bring? Uh, and, and what, you know, on our right-hand side, there's some, there's some sort of marsh, marshy sort of stuff already. What's going on in it? Okay, so again, it, it's, it's a really good sink for carbon, but it's also really good for biodiversity. If you think most of the, uh, the, the fish and the shellfish that uh, live out in the sea, and especially for kind of commercial fisheries, they all spend, a ace proportion of their life cycle in the estuaries and, and in the salt marsh and living on the invertebrates the bird life relies on the uh, on the stuff living in the mud you know the mud the mud part of it is the really important part of it you can see a nice kind of well frozen section here but uh, the worms and the and the invertebrates in the mud provide a really valuable food source but also it's shelter uh, it's allowing things to kind of hide away from predators so it's, it's nesting grounds for birds. So it is a really, really kind of important habitat. You see quite a lot of lizards around and reptiles as well. So it, it's providing all kinds of habitat for all kinds of wildlife. Because when you look at it, and I suppose that's what some people kind of don't understand. I don't think I understood. It can look a little bit like there's nothing going on at all. It's just mud. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the, you know, one of our, our aims is to kind of really highlight the importance of the estuary itself. 
because a lot of people do think it's just it's just mud um, and it's not you know as you dig down into the mud it, it becomes a really valuable and you know the species are, are very rare that actually live in these kind of habitats so it, it, you know their protection and, and expanding them as much as possible if you imagine before uh, you know before Shoreham was here then it would have all been mud flats and salt marsh and that you know that would have been an absolutely fantastic breeding ground for wildlife. So Pad Farm is a fascinating project to see how we can turn back time and return one part of this estuary to nature. Well, I wanted to know why Adrian Worthing Councils chose this site in particular to boost biodiversity, and so I'm meeting the Council's Director of Sustainability, Paul Brewer. So we've been developing an idea about how the council needs to to really show some leadership about how our natural spaces should be secured for the long term for future generations and how that doesn't necessarily just um, limit us to thinking about our parks and our foreshore that we also currently run but thinking about where the spaces are which are currently unbuilt on undeveloped and which need to stay that way so that retain those green spaces that are so vital between the settlements in our area. So when did Pad Farm come on your radar? So we were already speaking to Pisa King at the Rivers Trust and a number of other partners about the Ader Estuary as a, as a whole, the River Valley, and talking to them about how we might think about how that river system could change and how the use of it could change and how landowners there might think about maintaining that land differently. So we were already in a partnership and then we were approached um, by Ricardo who were looking to let go some of the land near, near Ricardo and we were, you know, it's usually fortuitous that they were able to say, well, we're really interested in this agenda to develop a sustainable place and we were able to say well this fits perfectly because in terms of showing what's possible on Ader Estuary and really making progress we could acquire it um, and then start to really think about using that as a model of how the rest of the valley could be in the future. So it's, it's really about taking it back to the way it would be before mankind had a, had a huge influence on the valley, I guess. It's, it's towards that sort of, that direction. Absolutely. When you look at the Ada Valley, you can see how the system used to be, how, how the landscape used to, used to be. And this is really about saying, OK, with some, with some careful work, working with the Environment Agency and other partners, how can we start to restore that system? So we're really interested in salt marsh restoration and mudflat um, restoration to see how much biodiversity and how much other benefit we can get there and of course it will be a fantastic development to the natural amenity that's there already. I suppose some people might say but is this really the local council's job you know surely this is big government or some someone else why, why does the local council have to step up? So I think, I think local councils know their areas and their communities the best and we know what's valuable to people and what people care about and clearly we, we, we know in Ada that people really care about the natural environment to make sure those green spaces are maintained and secured and, and the council has a role to step in and say well let's make that happen. So the fight against climate change 
that's everybody's fight. You know, it's individuals have to do their bit, councils have to do that, government have to do that bit. You know, we're all in this together, I suppose. Absolutely. I think the council has a real, really amazing opportunity because we're so close to communities to develop this idea of um, the, the sustainability agenda to, to really uh, make actual inroads into this crisis of climate change and to really help the community work at a scale, at a landscape scale, to secure it for future generations. And some might say, well, you know, we're not going to change the world with Pad Farm and, and some mud flats here. It's one brick at a time, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's building bricks. It's really important. When, when, we're, when we're in these conversations about how we can make significant progress, you know, it always comes down to, OK, what's, what's a manageable starting point? And that piece of land at Pad Farm is a perfect place to sort of test and model how the rest of the valley could be and to demonstrate that. And so by building one brick, you start to be able to build the whole wall. Good luck with it. It's going to be quite an exciting journey, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Really excited about it. And, and the partnership we have with local groups, including um, folk that are interested in seeing the bird life return, um, ecologists of all, of, of all kinds are really excited to work with us to make this happen. You're listening to a Spring Forward podcast with me, Neil Pringle. These podcasts are all about enticing you outside and bringing you experiences which can improve your sense of well-being. Adrian Worthing councils are working hard to look after the fabulous area we live in so we can all enjoy it and take pride in it. For more information on the local activities and services, go to the Spring Forward section on the Council's website. Let's get back to the riverbank with Peter King from the Rivers Trust, and we're heading back downstream now towards the old toll bridge. You know the, um, the greenery that's on these mud flats? What is that? So that's uh, the, most of what you're seeing at the moment is sea purslane. So that's uh, the kind of uh, leafy. Uh, salt marsh sort of main species you do get uh, there's quite a lot of diversity of plant life uh, with glassworts and, and uh, irises and uh, but most of what you're seeing here as you walk down uh, back down the estuary is is sea purslane in, on the on right. the mud flats of course uh, you know a lot of people come to the estuary to, to watch birds and of course there's the RSPB reserve a bit further down about a mile further down. Absolutely, and, and from a bird perspective, it's again a really important habitat for migratory birds, for overwintering birds. Um, you get some really big flocks of birds coming and, and uh, feeding here. As you look around, you see lapwings and terns and black headed gulls and egrets, and you know, it's a really, really diverse um, area for birds. And the whole of the estuary area up to up to up to Bramber is um, is a triple SI, so a site of special scientific interest. Um, so it is protected, and the RSPV reserve forms part of that. Um, so from the bird perspective, if you if you like bird watching, then this is definitely somewhere to come and visit. I don't suppose there's anything like it's, it's not invertebrate spotting, is there? Or do, you, know, <laughs> I, I, you don't. They they they're not quite so common, but you know it seems a shame actually. The invertebrates get a very bad deal out of this. They, they're certainly not as as popular, but uh, <laughs> but but in our in our world we do quite a lot of invertebrate spotting. So um, oh dear. <laughs> but obviously, again, you know, fit in the estuaries because they are quite delicate habitats. Um, clearly, digging around in the mud is something that we we don't kind of encourage. So. Viewing from the viewing from the banks is good. Sure. Uh, 
there's a lot of um, yeah, as the tide goes down and the, the mud muds are exposed, obviously you get more birds. I mean, it, so I think if you if you're going to pick a time to come down, if you really want to see your birds, you you check the tide table. Absolutely. Don't you? So again, yeah, you know, as you every time you come here, it, it it looks different depending on the different tides and what's coming from upstream and uh, the time of day. So uh, it, it's somewhere that you can kind of keep coming back to and seeing different things. But as the mud gets exposed. Uh, you kind of see that the wildlife influx begins. So um, definitely at, at lower tides is a, is a more interesting landscape. On a day like today, you really do have to move to keep the circulation going. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're pacing it out down the side here. We come back to the uh, the bridge. We'll walk over the uh, the old toll bridge. I've always loved this toll bridge, actually. I don't, I don't, when they refurbished it and they put the new uh, the new uh, sort of wood on it, I, it just looks fantastic. Absolutely, it's a really nice feature to have uh, have down in this part of the world. Definitely. Let's just have a quick peep over and see the river. That's what it's all about. We're right over it now. The tide's going out at the moment, so uh, there's more mud, more mud starting to appear. Yeah, there are times when it just moves really quickly. Actually, this river. It is a very, very fast-flowing river, and uh, and again, people don't really always appreciate quite how fast-flowing they are. Um, I suppose that the river is a great opportunity to do all sorts of things, isn't it? Absolutely. I I, I think you know rivers and. Uh, well, being outdoors in nature, as, as I'm sure everyone's realised, it has massive benefits to, to people's health and well-being. And the river provides lots of opportunities for kayaking and paddle boarding uh, or angling, fishing, uh, as well as just walking along the banks. So there's certainly a, a lot of things you can do to get involved in the in the river, obviously safely. And you don't mind fishing? Is fishing okay? I think yeah, fishing's fine. I think it's uh, you know it's it's a great sport and, and and it's something that people enjoy doing. So I think it's you know providing it's done responsibly and and sustainably. I, I think one of the things we we discourage people from doing is is actually digging bait out of the ground. That's the bit that's that's harmful yeah. uh, and actually kind of disturbing the mud and the important kind of invertebrates in there. But fishing itself is a is a great activity. If you had a boat, any sort of boat, are you allowed just to put it on the water there and get and go up and down? Uh, you, 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 not any kind of boat. I mean, there are there are regulations. Well, not a battleship. Uh, <laughs> <or> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are royal. You don't get what we say here, but, but certainly from a, a kind of recreational use, then yes, you can you can do it. But again, we do. Yeah, it's about where you put things in. You know, what we don't want to see is people kind of dragging crafts across all the mud and. Uh, and again, disturbing all that lovely habitat. So putting in uh, on the jetties and the, and the kind of concrete slips is is fine. But, um, but yeah, not 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 kind of just pitching up anywhere and deciding to to walk across all that mud. And it can be quite dangerous as well. Obviously, it is quite soft. So um, so so sensibly and and responsibly and, and using the kind of areas that are designated for it. Then definitely. Yes. Just imagine about the sun out now. Just imagine if it was warm, <laughs> well, and that would uh, be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> and uh, you could you could sit here, and you could just watch the world go by here, because we're looking out on the flats there and the river below. The um, the the sea is going out all the time, and and it's sort of inch by inch the mud is being exposed, and the birds are coming in, 
It's lovely, isn't it? It's yeah. very, it's calm. I mean, it's a shame there's a road behind us, but apart from that, there's a railway line over there. But you know, you've got to block these things out. It's very tranquil and it's very relaxing. Again, that's why we encourage people to kind of, you know, walk along the rivers and get and, and come and stand by them because they are a moving environment. They're changing. They change throughout the day. And as you say, sitting down and and, and having a cup of coffee or something on the riverbank, there, there's nothing quite so relaxing. Right. What sort of birds will you see out on these flats at this time of year? At the moment, you're seeing quite a lot of lapwings. Uh, you get plovers. Again, obviously the the, the black-headed gulls and the uh, and terns, herons. You can see the lapwings just along the along the kind of edge of the of the water there. So they're 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 quite prolific at this time of year. Are they feeding now? Is that is that what they do? Yeah. They get, yeah. They, they, they sort of. Yes. Yeah, so you can see them pecking away at the mud. Uh, Those poor uh, invertebrates yeah, that you love so much. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're someone's breakfast. Absolutely. But that's why we need to keep lots of them. I think this is just another great example of something in our area which I'm so familiar with but just 15 minutes chatting to you Pete I've sort of learned I, I can see this with new eyes every time I look at it now so thank you so much for that and you keep up the good work making sure it, it, it's good for all those those invertebrates and all the other things birds and things but mainly the invertebrates they're <laughs> having a dreadful time at the moment <laughs> thanks a lot no problem <laughs> You've been listening to a Spring Forward podcast brought to you by Ada and Worthing Councils. In other episodes, I try sea swimming, go beach combing, visit one of Worthing's finest parks and get a history lesson in Worthing Town Centre. So do check them out if you can. For more ideas on how to look after your health and well-being, go to the Spring Forward section on the Council's website. Thanks for listening.